The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 172. One day, I shall come back. That's it. I've been renewed. As when a Time Lord's body wears out, he regenerates. I'm a Time Lord. I'm not a human being. I walk in eternity. Braveheart team. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited vice pudding! Position looks wearing a bit thin. Fantastic. Allons-y! I am Scottish. I can complain about things. Should be fine. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the sixth Doctor episode called The Two Doctors. Joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thank you. Uh, folks, if you have not yet done so, please subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, in your favorite podcast app, or on the SQPN YouTube channel, where you should hit the bell to make sure you get notifications of new episodes. So, as I mentioned, we're talking about this uh, special Doctor Who episode, The Two Doctors. It is yet another one of those episodes where they brought back a previous incarnation of the doctor to cross paths with the current one and it's the first episode that they did like that that wasn't an anniversary so they did the oh, they yeah. did the three doctors on the 10th anniversary of the show they did the five doctors on the 20th anniversary this is the first one that's just an episode and I, i'd argue this is probably the only one because of course the 50th anniversary episode was the the right. two new doctors yeah. plus the, war, the doctor. war doctor there's yeah. also time crash but that's exceptional in its own way because it's just a short video Yep. Right, right. It wasn't a regular episode. Uh, yeah, and I would perhaps argue that maybe this was a, an attempt to boost the ratings a bit on mm-hmm. uh, The Sixth Doctor. Things were not going so well for, for the show at this point. Uh, this aired in uh, February 1985, and that's about when it's set. Both the outer space parts of this and, on, and the Earth-based parts are yep. contemporary to each other in 1985, and uh, it it's three 45-minute episodes, so at this period in time, they were making 45-minute mm-hmm. episodes, installments. So this is the equivalent of an old-time six-parter, which means right, we were right. going to have lots of running around to pad the runtime. It's lots like that old, that old sea shanty, slow the plot down, laddie, slow the plot <laughs> down, way, hey, slow the plot down, we'll it, scuttle okay. the story and run her aground. <laughs> Give us some time to slow the plot down. <laughs> we should record that and play that every time we have one of these. Because uh, the, the, uh, the War Games was like that, which was 10 parts. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we have lots of running around in Seville later, uh, late in this episode, which, uh, which we get to. Uh, that features, of course, the Sixth Doctor and the Second Doctor, Patrick Troughton, yep. returns. As does Jamie, who arguably yep. one of the most popular of all oh, the... not arguably. Uh, he he was. Until Sarah yeah. Jane Smith, he was the most popular companion. Right, right. Uh, so, it, 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 
looking they're both looking a bit older mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. say, at it's least been, it's been a while since they were on you know uh, almost at that point what almost 15 years have passed what when did the second yeah, doctors yeah, run about in 19 years yeah so it's uh, it's been a while and uh, I'm, su- I'm course- surprised they didn't like dye Patrick Troughton's hair or give him a darker wig or something because he's right. clearly got gray yes mm-hmm. uh and uh this is the the all Perry is also there poor Perry uh mm-hmm. being dragged along behind the six doctor still and um it's the second of the uh story of the th- or it's the fourth story overall for the six doctor Second story of three of the third season of, yeah. his, of his third season, right? Because they because so, his debut story was the last of the previous season, right? Right. So it's, it's, also this episode or this series is by Robert Holmes, and yes. it is not. I, I, it's kind of interesting. Um, this is the next to last sort of thing that Holmes did for the show. He also wrote some of Trial of a Time Lord. But he died during the during Trial of a Time Lord, so he didn't get to finish it. This is towards the end of his career, and even though he's considered the best of the Holmes writers of this period, it's not his strongest thing. No, um, <laughs> right. there's there. I can see flashes of the classic Robert Holmes in here, but it's not his strongest thing. Uh, I think partly because he was in declining health at this point. This is just a year before he died. He also, though, gets to do something that they periodically let people do on Doctor Who, which is kind of indulge their personal interests as mm-hmm. scriptwriters. Yeah. And he was a vegetarian, and so we have an extensive satirization of meat-eating culture Yeah, with, in this series. And, you know, I, I'm not at all a vegetarian, but I kind of didn't mind it. As an over-the-top parody, I could accept it. I don't think right. he's like making a serious statement about, you know, everybody really has to be a vegetarian. I, I got a little tired of Shockeye's long, you know, well, continuous I, stuff. I think it's because of the length. It's yeah. because mm-hmm. this is a three-parter. If if this if you just cut out one of the parts, it wouldn't it, it, I think it would be more reasonable. Yeah. yeah. So we should st- we're going to start here by talking about the the continuity problem, which is at the end of the second Doctor's time, he he was put on trial by the Time Lords and then made to become the third Doctor, John Pertwee, on stranded on Earth with a non-functional TARDIS. And so, you know, that that the War Games ends with this, you know, forced regeneration. What and appears then, to be a forced regeneration. Yes. And then we see John Pertwee stumbling out of the TARDIS and collapsing on the ground. But there's there's a bit of controversy because, of course, when does this story take place in the second Doctor's timeline then? And how do we fit it in? And there's other questions as too, right? Yeah. So what happened was at the time of at the time the War Games ended, the Doctor Who franchise had licensed uh, a comic strip series, not a strip exactly. It was like two page comic book stories. Uh, that they put in TV comic, and they were in production at the time, and there was a significant gap between the end of the War Games and Spearhead in Space. It was several months, and the comics just kept going at that at that point. They continued to tell the adventures of Patrick Troughton's Doctor 
after the war games. And they posited that there that the Time Lords, even though they were going to exile him to Earth and were going to change his appearance, the sentence wasn't to be implemented immediately. And so they they had some further adventures in comic form. And then they had, as we were preparing for Spearhead in Space, they and you can actually find this online, but they sent like scarecrows to force the regeneration. And so you start to see the beginning of the regeneration before Spearhead in Space. And this window of time after the war games and before Spearhead in Space became known as Season 6B because Season 6 ended with the war games, Season 7 started with Spearhead in Space, and so there's this period of time in there called Season 6B. And originally, it was just something that was explored in spinoff media, like novels and comic books and things like that. But eventually, they started to use it on the show itself, and various things got explained that did make it to to air better if you posited 6B as a real thing than if you didn't. There are a whole bunch of little bitty things, but this is the big one, where you have the Doctor in control of the TARDIS working for the Time Lords, talking with Jamie about the Time Lords. Jamie did not know about the Time Lords when he initially traveled with the Doctor. That phrase was introduced for the first time in uh, the War Games. And yet here, Jamie, who obviously is older, knows all about the Time Lords and is still traveling with the Doctor. And so that is most logically explained if you say, okay, after the War Games, the Time Lords delayed implementing their sentence in order to use the Doctor as a secret agent presumably for what was later named the Celestial Intervention Agency or the Time Lord CIA. Um, eventually, the BBC's own episode guide online came to have an entry on Season 6B and endorsed it. Right. It's, it, it will have links to some of, the, some of this, including the, the BBC's uh, old website. It's, it's sort of it's mothballed, but still online. Yeah, but uh, we'll have a link to that description and and also in the uh, TARDIS Data Core website uh, their explanation as well to to kind of give you an idea of how this fits in and they have explanations for why Jamie, like you said, why Jamie is there when clearly he was removed from the Doctor's TARDIS and all the other stuff. So this fans have really retconned and <laughs> really uh, you know, <laughs> put things in to make this work because you know Doctor Who is not the most rigorous of all uh, fandoms you know, when it comes to following canon. But you, mm -hmm. you, there are some things you have to fill in <laughs> to make it work yeah. in your head. And uh, since it's since it's a time travel, time can be rewritten thing. It doesn't have to be <laughs> that rigorous yeah. about continuity. Exactly. Uh, so w we also uh, see that Santarans in this episode for the first time for quite a while, like almost. Uh, mm -hmm. well, I think it was seven seasons that the Santarans was the last time the Santarans were seen on Doctor Who. So uh, mm. they come back. Uh, the, the costumes for the era, I mean, I guess f are okay, but gosh, the, you could see the actor's lips moving underneath the prosthetic mask. Oh, yeah. That, that's probably the worst prosthetics of the Santarans from classic who, I mean, yeah. they weren't always ever that good, but this is probably the worst that they ever were. Yeah. Right. The, the problem with the Santarans is always the heads. Everything else is fine. It's just yes. the heads that are a problem. And yes. and also, since this is the mid-80s, we have the 
horrible 1980s supervillain chic aesthetic going on. (laughs) Um, It's it's like in the Caves of Androzani, the main villain. I mean, he's in this weird domination get up thing. Yeah. Yeah. And here we have like the kind of modern black suit with the punk rock glasses yeah and and right, stuff like right, that and it's right. just kind of really looks its time it does it does now a, a large part of this was filmed on location in seville spain they want I, you know apparently wanted to have you know this spend some budget on this uh, originally i think they were going to be set it in new orleans that's i think what mm-hmm. holmes wanted to do and have all kinds of jokes about the difference between British and American English and all this sort of stuff. And then they just, they figured that was too expensive. So then they were going to go to Venice, which would have been interesting, but that was too expensive. So Spain it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, which, uh, you know, for, for good or for ill, it was, um, they, they managed to get a few Spain uh, specific jokes in there. We'll, we'll probably come up as we talk about it. Uh-huh. But it's, it's interesting how it starts off. They, the, it starts off in black and white with, the second doctor and Jamie in the TARDIS control room, uh, and then fade into color because, of course, yep. we never saw the original second doctor in black and white uh, in anything other than black and white. So it's kind of a nice homage to the uh, to the old season. Although um, I will point out that the console they're standing at is the fourth doctor's console. Yes, the fourth doctor's <laughs> console into uh, Peter Davison, fifth doctor, instead of the second doctor's console because, of course, that one had been scrapped after they yeah. were done with it. Long gone. Uh, and then uh, it's interesting how they used to change consoles, if not the console rooms. Like the, today, mm-hmm. every time there's a new doctor, we get a whole new TARDIS interior, uh, which is unfortunate. But <laughs> but they, yeah. uh, back then, it, they would change the console every once in a while. Well, And they would change the interior, too. It was just a lot more subtle than what they're doing today, because it was still yeah. the same basic theme, the white right. with the roundels. But they would change, like, some would look like they have pillars, and some look like they had mm-hmm. almost like a airline strip with the, the vents and the lights and everything. And, uh, right, you know, So it's right. a little different each time, but the interior does change eventually. Yeah. So the, the second doctor notices a remote control on the TARDIS, a Statenheim control, I think he calls it at one point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And is this-, this, is, this is a special device that he's allowed to have because he's working for the cia it lets you remotely summon your tardis okay all right that would become handy in many other episodes of doctor who later on <laughs> right up to the current day yeah, yeah. uh that if they if he'd had it yeah when he uses it at the end he actually holds up the statenheim device and then just whistles and the tardis materializes <laughs> right, yeah. right so they, they they show up at this space station camera uh which is what latin for room right camera yeah chamber um it's it's 1985 so it's this is you know present day when this was filmed and this is a laboratory where the greatest minds in the universe gather for pure research that's what Mm -hmm. we're told and Um, they have german names (laughs) yes because all the greatest scientists are german and they they end up in the uh the kitchen apparently where the chef who, who who's called Shaka wants to buy Jamie to turn him into a meal. He's like he starts bargaining with the doctor to purchase Jamie uh to to eat. Yeah, and this this guy is so Shaka is a really great name for him. Yeah. And he is sort of a crazy barbarian Scottish looking guy. He's got these big huge enormous unnaturally red eyebrows. 
which right. are characteristic of his race. He's an androgum, and I that seems to be a trait name. Andro is Greek for male or man, and yeah. and if you eat something, you gum it, and so androgums are man eaters. Oh. And so that's why he, Shockeye, wants to cook and eat Jamie. He's never tasted human before. And he's also obsessed with food. And he has right. also, as part of his makeup, I mean, he's got this crazy costume that's got different elements in it. Some of it looks Scottish. Some of it looks American Indian. He's wearing moccasins. He also has warts all over his face to yeah. make him repulsive. But that makeup does not look good at all once he's running around in broad daylight in Spain. They're clearly <laughs> just stuck on and don't look realistic at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the makeup doesn't doesn't work. The, the, the Androgum are apparently like this primitive, emotionally and ethically bestial humanoid race. That's how the but, TARDIS but wiki describes it. they think they're superior it. than everyone else. Yeah, and they're really strong. And they've been recruited as servants, essentially. A servant race. Uh, so the TARDIS disappears from the kitchen, and there's talk of someone killing the scientists. So there, the doctor talks to the head of the facility, who's a guy named Dastari, Professor right. Dastari. And right. so you just know he's going to be dastardly. He's got another trait name. He um, is Dastari. <laughs> and he is supervising two scientists who I don't think we ever actually see who have been no. conducting. They're the ones with the German names. And they've been conducting time research that the Time Lords are very, very concerned about because it could, like, you know, destroy the universe or something. And in addition to supervising them, Professor Destari has also been doing biological uplifting on uh, one of the Andragums, who is a woman named Chassini. And so she is, she doesn't have the big red eyebrows, she doesn't have the warts all over her face. She's quite attractive, actually, and very intelligent, and she's Servalan. Um, if you've ever seen Blake Seven, she is the principal antagonist on mm -hmm. Blake Seven, the evil galactic <laughs> dominatrix Servalan. Okay. Played by Jacqueline Pierce, and she is just her suave, evil, usual self. <laughs> so, so that character on Blake Seven, she's the same. She's essentially the same as she was on Blake Seven. Basically, yeah. Yeah, oh, funny. She's not an androgum on Blake 7, but, right. but she's, she she's, acts the same, she's the same character. in charge yeah. and suave and, and charming and evil. Okay. So uh, they, the, the TARDIS disappears, and that's, that's some, for, she notes that this is not ideal because they wanted to have the machine. She says uh, yeah. uh, the, the machine was supposed to be used for what they're, what they're trying to do, uh, and these two scientists on board this station are trying to build their own TARDIS. They're trying to build a... And the Time Lords do not like this idea, of course, because if, if you're the Lords of Time, you don't want anybody else muscling in on your territory. Uh, plus, you know, once time travel gets out, that's going to be a big mess all over the place. Um, and and we find out that she's working, she and Dastari are working with the, the Sontarans, uh, because the Sontarans are so, sort of funding, backing their research, because they want to use this, of course, in their war with the Rutan. Yeah, and Chassini is clearly on the Suntaran side, at least at the moment. Right. So one other thing while we're talking about this kitchen sequence, there's a bit where the Doctor and Jamie are offered a meal, and Jamie is interested in taking them up on the offer, but the Doctor says, one meal a day is quite sufficient, Jamie. 
And it's like, yes, intermittent fasting, go doctor. <laughs> I, I thought of you, Jimmy, on that. I thought, like, well, Jimmy would fit in right well with the doctor. So they have this discussion about how the Time Lords are wor- that have sent the second doctor as their, their delegate because they're worried that they're dabbling in time travel. Mm-hmm. And we have this sequence of one of the guys on the station seeing the Santaran battleships uh, approaching and uh, Chisini injects him with something and kills him or knocks him out or something. And then we that's where we leave the second doctor at this point. One thing the second doctor mentions is he was sent because he's a non-person. Yeah. They can, they can disavow his, you know, kind of like, you know, Mission, Mission Impossible. Impossible. We will right. disavow any knowledge of your operations type of deal. Right, right, right. And that kind of does fit into this whole season 6B story arc of, you know, he's officially not supposed to be, you know, anybody, but yet he's still out there traveling doing. That's true. Yeah. Time Lord dirty work. The doctor is attacked and dragged off and Jamie sees him being dragged off and thinks, you know, that, uh, that thinks something he's dead. Is, thinks he's dead uh, yeah. at this point. It It is really nice, though, to see the doctor and Jamie too, I should say. Doctor yep. number two and Jamie together because they have that chemistry that yep. right that is just so much fun to watch. There's a bit, for example, where the doctor is chiding Jamie about his mongrel dialect, <laughs> and then somebody dies and Jamie thinks he's asleep, and the doctor reflexively says, He's no asleep, Jamie. And then <laughs> realizes he's just slipped into the mongrel dialect himself. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, the, the story passes out due to poisoning, supposedly. Right. And uh, the doctor does that. Yep. So the this a this is a very long story, and I I don't want to spend two yeah. hours going over every bit of it. So I'm yeah. I'm going to kind of try to compress a bit. Mm-hmm. I do want to talk about like with the introduction of the sixth doctor and Perry here. They're they're out fishing, um, and not catching anything, uh, and. She probably should address Perry's costume. This is quite uh, perhaps the most blatant use of uh, the uh, scantily clad, attractive girl to yeah. to uh, appease the audience that I've seen. I mean, Perry's appearance is is, is very distracting in in this episode. Uh, let's just be honest I, there. I, I I think I I mean I could be wrong, but I don't think she's dressed any more skimpily than normal. She's always dressed skimpy. Yeah, she uh, always has, but. Yeah, this and, just looks more to me. Doc, I Doctor Who has made an effort, f- including, I mean, like Leela is another obvious example of Yes, that. that's true. But Doctor Who, for some time, be- has wanted to, because it's a family show, it wants <laughs> yeah. to interest every member of the family, and that includes giving the companions what they referred to as dad appeal. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so that's that's just something that you know, yeah, the, she's, she's always, yeah, we'll she's always worn clothes that that are a little bit revealing not not much but I, I think the fact that she starts out with just basically a bikini top right at the beginning when you right. first see I, her kind of yeah I think that's that. part of it but yeah yeah you know you, we haven't gotten to it yet Dom but when we first see her when in uh, on Peter Davison's time she basically changes into a bikini and jumps into the yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, this is probably because I'm seeing things out of sequence. I'm probably missing that on, on there. But so, that okay. being said, you you can tell that there are times when the cameras were set just <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's true. So so, uh, so so since we just talked about the two's chemistry with Jamie, let's talk about six's chemistry with yes. Perry. Yeah. He is no longer as homicidal as he was. <laughs> and so that's good. They're getting along a bit better. But he 
he still comes across as as brash and inconsiderate and like for some reason when she asks him questions that are perfectly reasonable questions and that you would expect the writers would use to give us exposition to explain things because she's asking questions the audience would want to know yep he, he'll ignore them or take offense or something or and insults her as or, being stupid yeah so he's better than he was but he's not great he's a little more likable than he was on the other hand perry comes across as a pseudo-American wet blanket. <laughs> I mean, she is yeah. not that sympathetically written in this series. Right. I mean, after seeing the doctor try to strangle her, I, you know, obviously want to be sympathetic to her, but wow, is she grouchy and complains about everything, and she's always got this, I'm afraid, quiver in my voice for no apparent reason, doctor. <laughs> Why mm. does she travel with him anymore? I just, I, I don't understand that. Like, she just seems so unhappy all the time. Yeah. Why is she still with him? Is it nostalgia for the fifth doctor? It's we really weird. Hoping that he'll regenerate to something a little nicer. <laughs> <laughs> Which he eventually does, but not yes. in her time. She's She's nope. been mind warped by that point. Oh, exactly. So uh, so the, 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 the big part of this part of the story is that they're on the TARDIS. He's talking to her and suddenly... At about the same time, the second Doctor is getting zappered on the on the space station. The Sixth Doctor collapses uh, on the full of the TARDIS. Why this happens to the Sixth Doctor and not to the uh, first, third, fourth, seventh, or any of the other incarnations of the Doctor, I don't know. It's because they're both in the same time frame, and since they're same person and they're a telepathic species, one is feeling what the other is feeling mm. in the present moment. Okay. So that's that's reason reasonable enough explanation. Okay. They they don't really explain it though. They don't really say that. It's just they happen to kind of point that out or just right. show it basically. So uh, we we have this um, discussion of uh, th he says there's a time slip in the subconscious. We have uh, a a mention of pin ga pin galaxies were mentioned. Jimmy, mm -hmm. are th are those real things? Is there, is there such a thing as a pin galaxy? By the way, well there are, there's a pinwheel galaxy. <laughs> um, I don't recall anything specifically called a pin galaxy. Normally, galaxies are defined as being in three classes, spiral, barred spiral, and irregular. Okay. Well, so and then, then they kind of explain a pin galaxy is a galaxy that basically exists for like an atom second or something like that, oh. where it's just like this right. brief, brief flash of a second. And it's, it, Perry asks, I'm, that I'm would explain I have the transcript in front of me, but they... they Perry asks, well, how do you observe that? And Doctor just says, very quickly. <laughs> that would explain why science hasn't discovered them yet. Right, right. So uh, the Sixth Doctor and Perry show up at the space station following the trail of, of whatever happened, and uh, they find it all just, you know, under destruction. Uh, the people are dead. Uh, the station is barely functioning. And in fact, it's probably been a while because... You're starting to have the dead bodies are decomposing. They're complaining about the smell. I think it's one of the things mm -hmm. they, they mention about. So we've got and, lots of running around, not running so much as just walking and climbing around this space station. Right. The upshot of which is eventually they find Jamie. And yes. Mm -hmm. Six recognizes Jamie, who doesn't recognize Six, but goes along with it because that's what Jamie always does is just go along with <laughs> <Yeah>. things. <laughs> right. And so he thinks two is dead. And the doctor is concerned that that might create a paradox that could unravel reality, 
since right. they're here in this special place, but it they quickly realize no, that must not be the case. Right. Uh, yeah, Jamie for some reason has gone feral in the uh, mm-hmm. in the in, the, in this interval and uh, attacks uh, Perry for some reason. And, well, and, then, they, and the funny part is they make it sound like you know the way Jamie acts. You know that it's been a long time. Yeah. But right. It actually has only been like ten days. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So. It's that's a long time for poor poor Jamie, but they they figure out that the Doctor's not really dead. That they've created that the uh, the Santarans and Dastari or somebody have created this illusion of the Doctor being tortured and killed uh, when Perry accidentally uh, messes with the hologram and puts her own image in it somehow. Uh, so uh, then we cut to um, Spain, Andalusia, uh, this outside the city of Seville, where for some reason, <laughs> Cassini and Sakai and Oh, shock eye, sorry, mm-hmm. like a fish on the Sock brain. Eye. <laughs> the shock eye, <laughs> yeah, the bad guys have all for some reason decamped to Spain. <laughs> Not sure why. I don't. Is is it ever explained why they why they're in Spain as opposed to anywhere else in the universe? Well, they they said that they chose Earth because shock eye wanted to try the 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 race, and she was curious. <laughs> Cassini was curious as well. Okay, and. Yeah, and it's it's a primitive race, although it's overpopulated, and they probably could have picked a planet that was empty. But food, right, right, food comes first. <laughs> so we have this scene of uh, this this old this old lady, this uh, Spanish woman, uh, praying in the in the hacienda chapel, praying before a statue yep. of Our Lady, and she's attacked by Shockeye and killed by being uh, tapped on the back of the neck, which uh, you mm-hmm. know, typical eighties, you know, uh, yeah, sort of thing. And uh, Chassini there, there, Mind... There's also a moment later on in the series where uh, Shockeye kills a truck driver by tapping him in a fatally vulnerable spot in his upper back. <laughs> yes, I <Yeah>. noticed that. <laughs> and uh, so uh, Chassini gets all her knowledge of this place fr- by somehow uh, sifting through the mind Post-mortem of the dead Post-mortem telepathy, yeah. Right, right. Uh, there's an English moth collector and a Spanish woman wandering the, the grounds of the hacienda. Uh, oh, they see the he's not just an, ship land. He's not just an English moth collector. He's an English moth collector, thespian, and restaurateur all at once. <laughs> yes, yeah, see, that, that's that's a real great stereotype there. An out of work uh, uh, actor, theater actor. actor working in a restaurant. <laughs> yes, in all- in Spain because that's where the the you know the uh, lots of British uh, people go to Spain for holidays. So that would make sense. Yep. And he also is obsessed with collecting moths, which he uses a crucially plot important cyanide jar to yep. to uh, right. to deal with. And he's a coward, uh, whereas the Spanish woman yeah. is very brave. And uh, they see the Santaran and Dastari carrying the unconscious Second Doctor into the house. Um, and uh, I, I do I do like I do want to point out back on the space station that the Doctor does manage to gas himself. While trying to turn off the yes. computer's defenses of the station, I just th- I thought that was funny. Um, he then blames so, it on Perry. It then blames Perry because he's a jerk. So the, <laughs> uh, so the doctor speculates that all this happens because of a failed time experiment, and then if that's true, then it's possible he was caught in what he calls a time embolism, which I, th- I think is kind of funny. Uh, I'm trying to trying to skip ahead here to to to, to the action. So basically, the Doctor Six and Perry and Jamie go down to Spain, and right. we've got running around in Spain. It turns out that the uh, that this has been a trap, uh, or they that does what Dastari really wants 
the whole thing with the time experiments was sort of a trap. Uh, what the doctor yes. really wants is to get something from the doctor that we learn about here for the first time. It's called, yes, bizarrely, the symbiotic nuclei. Now, if you know anything about Latin, it should be the symbiotic nucleus. But for some reason, it's plural, the symbiotic <laughs> nuclei. They've got more than one? Oh. Well, but they <laughs> right. treat it, they use singular verbs know, periodically in the script in connection with it. And it's something that's part of the doctor's biological makeup that allows him to control the TARDIS and, and travel through time in a safe way. They've already been sending people through time, but they dissolve in the vortex. And apparently you need a, a time machine that has been primed with a symbiotic nuclei to get stable time travel. And so that's the missing piece they've realized they don't have, and they're going to... Yeah. Destari is going to extract it from two and right. give it to the Centaurans so the Centaurans will have unlimited time travel like the Time Lords and the Daleks do. The uh, They call it Rassilon's Imprimatur, which is yeah. uh, kind of interesting. Also, uh, in Big Finish, they've built on the symbiotic nuclei concept, and not only does it control TARDISes, it also is involved in the regeneration process. Mm -hmm. uh, we learned about that in the Trial of the Valyard, where they talked about how after your 13th regeneration, the symbiotic nucleus can't divide anymore without oh, becoming right. unstable. Right. Uh, yeah, and then they, they, they do embed this nucleus, in, or nucleus, sorry, into this something called the Bryode Nebulizer. We have lots of these like proper name devices in this. We have the Kartz-Reimer time travel device. We have the Bryode Nebulizer. Which nebulizer is kind of a funny thing because I know, know. <laughs> nebulizer is something asthmatics use because like, I have asthmatic kids. Yeah. <laughs> and we've, we've got the Statenheim control device too. Yeah, I'm wondering like, are these just like friends or people on the crew or whatever? <laughs> uh, I I don't want to miss the 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 doctor uh, hypnotizing Jamie with the stopwatch. I love the 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 old fashioned we we mm -hmm. hypnotize people by watching a swinging watch. Um, also that the doctor recognize the sixth doctor. Sorry. Six recognizes that two is in Seville because he does some telepathy and hears the bell ringing and recognizes it as the Santa Maria, which is the largest of the bells in the cathedral of Seville. Mm. So that's the. And, and then he immediately forgets that they're in Seville, but he <laughs> says, I, let's go. I, it has something to do with getting a haircut. And he starts whistling the Barber of Seville. Yes. <laughs> so. Shockeye spends lots of time talking about cooking how uh, and how humans can find and force feed animals more screed against meat eating. Uh, yeah, I thought that was the uh, amusing. Thing that kind of redeems this though is the zest and the appreciation with which Shockeye yeah. talks about this. It's clear yes. he really enjoys his food. <laughs> he does. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so even though yeah, you could look at this as a as a scoldy screed against meat eating. It just doesn't come across that way on screen. I mean, if you read <laughs> no. the words on the page, it might. But with the actors' performances, and uh, later on, two is going to become a pseudo-androgum and is going to become obsessed yes. with food as well. And we have this sequence with him and Shockeye going to a restaurant, and they're just <laughs> constantly talking about food and the succulents of stuff. And 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 it it it's it's funny enough and enthusiastic yeah. enough. It doesn't come across as just an anti-meat statement it's it's funnier than right. that if anything it's anti-gas you know gastro you know that that gastro culture of you know just almost 
becoming obsessed with food. You know, it's yeah. almost more against that than it is meat in yeah. general. It's more against a satire of gluttony than it is than it is carnivorousness. Right, right. So the doctor and uh, Jamie are going uh, are going to sneak into the hacienda through a tunnel that Anita, the Spanish woman uh, with the English actor, uh, that she shows them because she knows about it for some reason. And they need Perry to distract the Santarans and the and the Andragums and what whatnot the bad guys. Uh, so she so they send her to the door alone to to kind of babble on about like uh, an American exchange program looking for yep. a house yeah. to stay in. She's uh, she's pretending to arrange holidays for American students in Spain and wants to know if we could rent this house. Maybe. Yeah. What happens? The shock guy says, "Oh, main course. She looks uh, tender and juicy and uh, ready to to uh, carve up." So he chases her and catches her and throws her into the, you know, on the butcher table. Yep. Um, I do like the fact that they parade the second doctor in front of uh, Perry of, to uh, see if Perry. she recognizes him. Right. But the, but wouldn't she? No. Because <laughs> she did. She's well, never she's, met two before. But she saw his image on the space station in the torture chamber. Well, what they say, so... Um, Chassini is partially telepathic, which is how she was able to read the dead woman's mind. Right. Uh, she must be really telepathic if she can read a dead woman's mind. <laughs> yeah. And, and actually, there's a nice moment there where she says she didn't learn much from the dead woman. Her thoughts were entirely filled with her religion. And she oh, says, yeah. it, and Shakai makes a comment about the beliefs of primitives, but Chassini actually treats it respectfully. Yeah. And, right. And it was a nice little moment. But Chassini, the reason they parade too, who's unconscious and in a wheelchair, the reason they parade him in front of Perry is because she says her thoughts are filled with the doctor, and her thoughts are filled with her doctor, so right. she doesn't react when she sees two in a big way. Okay, okay. It makes some sense. So, meanwhile, Stike, the Santaran, sneaks up behind the doctor and Jamie after they've uh, been talking about the doctor's been talking to jamie about why the time travel device doesn't work and he forces the doctor into the device to imprint it um and then is going to execute jamie despite having said he wasn't going to when jamie pulls his scottish knife which has a name that i cannot pronounce um uh a from dirk? his boot no no it's got this like bunch of consonants and vowels and odd form odd okay. combinations <laughs> uh so i it, it has a, it has a particular name um but he pulls it from his boot and stabs Stike in the leg, which I just thought was just great Jamie action mm -hmm. there. Um, yep. They 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 come upon. They finally have the reunion of two and six together. They they come upon him, um, and and that that was a nice little scene there uh, where they're kind of completing each other's talking at the same time, even about yeah. you know saying yeah. the same thing at the same time. And, and this is one of the unfortunate things about this about this uh, series when we have a multi doctor team up. The thing we're here to see is the interaction between the two doctors. Right. And right. the squabbling that goes on and the help, helping each other out that goes on. And that's what we're here to see. If you're going to call it the two doctors, you need to have a substantial amount of the two doctors being together. And this series really doesn't. There's not that it's much of the very, two of them interacting. Little, very right. little time are they in the same room, yeah. much less working together. Yeah, that's it's true. It's nice what they do when they do it. I like the squabbling. I like the teamwork. That's what I'm here for. But there's not enough of it. Right. So uh, Chassini gets this idea that she wants the the doctor and Shockeye to be combined into one 
new enhanced Andragum Time Lord form that she can be, be her consort. She wants uh, two to be <laughs> hybridized with Andragums. Yes. Yes. Not that handsome young six. She wants the older two. She know, yeah, well, obviously <laughs> is a woman of distinction. Yes. I mean, the older man is apparently always more attractive. Uh, so uh, the... <laughs> The, and and Stike, meanwhile, is hiding the fact that he got the six to imprint the time the time travel device. Uh, mm-hmm. So so we have division among the bad guys. Yeah. Um, Both uh, bad guy factions are now plotting against each other. Yeah, it turns out that six knew that Stike was listening all along, and he uh, set it up so that the the time travel device would work once, and then after that it'll it'll explode next time someone uses it. Uh, so that that comes into play. So uh, Dastari and Chassini, uh Double cross the Santarans, curse your inevitable betrayal. <laughs> but betray- your inevitable but entirely foreseeable betrayal. Um, and they they kill one. They try to kill both. They kill one of them. And uh, meanwhile, two wakes up and is now an Andragum, and he's as hungry as shot guy. And they make plans to go out for dinner in Seville. <laughs> and they they head out on the road in their fancy uh, evening evening clothes, like a fancy tra- uh, long tailed coat. Uh, you mentioned they waylay a truck driver and take his truck to drive into town and. To go find a restaurant, which they just happened to stumble upon, the restaurant that Botcherby, the English actor, was the uh, is the mater d for. And, uh, and there's some really nice dialogue here where uh, Shockeye says, "Do you serve humans?" And the butterfly <laughs> guy says, "Most of the time, sir." I mean, <laughs> human meat, you fool. And the butterfly guy says, "No, I'm afraid the Nouvelle cuisine has not yet penetrated this establishment." <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, if you think about like '80s New Velcro, like this is this is before the the Food Network Renaissance of cooking and food. This is mm-hmm. back in the old fashioned fine dining days. Uh, and th- so they eat this massive amount of food, and we get this 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 uh, listing of all the food that they're eating. And they t- they mention the bill, which is something like eighty thousand pesetas, which I did some googling and some searching. Mm-hmm. That converts to about. Two thousand mm-hmm. dollars in today's in today's money, and earlier they'd said it would be an, uh, take an hour before the doctor would revert to his own self again. Right, he's without gotta, stabilization, he's got to get a second treatment to make the androgumming permanent. Otherwise, it'll wear off yeah. in an hour. Yep. So they were served and ate all this food in less than an hour. <laughs> that's that's pretty that's pretty shocking. There, uh, mm-hmm. shock. I like that shock. I tries to pay with his alien money. Uh, you know, I, yep. I, yeah, I like how I, at first he Shockeye doesn't know what money is. Yeah, and the doctor explains tokens of exchange, and he whips out his alien diners club card. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and then when when uh, the Bartraby refuses it, he uh, uh, Shockeye stabs him right there and mm-hmm. then, and then Oscar the Oscar Bartraby the the actor dies quoting Hamlet's death scene. Good night, <laughs> sweet prince. The doctor says it was very. Very hammy. I thought this was going to yeah. be played for irony, like going to be like, oh, he's not really dead. But no, mm-hmm. no, they were serious about it. It was real. Yeah, it was a real death. It just yeah. played badly. He, he <laughs> yes. talks about it as my last curtain call. No one will see my definitive Hamlet now. <laughs> Although someone makes a crack about that, right? Still, they still haven't or something. I think someone yeah. made a crack. <laughs> there. Also, one of the things that's really interesting about the sequence is it's fun to see Patrick Troughton being so manic. Yes. You know, because he's just food obsessed and he's right. acting all manic and glee- gleeful and sinister. And it's just it's fun to watch that. And because he's telepathic with himself, you're starting to get bleed through 
with six. Yes. And so as they're looking around, as they're going around Seville trying to find what restaurant two and Shockeye are in, six is like looking hungrily at cats. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Which is interesting since he even wears a cat pin on his coat mm-hmm. normally. <laughs> right. And and Perry and Jamie keep having to get him undistracted from the cats. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, now, we, we talked about the, the whole running around Seville bit before, but I, yeah, I do want to mention like, and, and the, the, how Perry comes across as dumb American, but we have this thing where they come upon the restaurant uh, at Las Cadenas, and she says Las Cadenas, <laughs> and he and he the the six you know haughtily uh, corrects her pronunciation. I'm like, come on, like, do we have to like go there? That's just you know, ugh, just more of that 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 personality thing as, going as on. As someone from Texas who now lives in California and has spent a lot of time in the Southwest, I, it's hard for me to. I just it's hard for me to fathom how people mispronounce Spanish so badly, but right. sometimes they do. Sometimes they'll look at yeah. uh, the name of, of, of towns here in the uh, San Diego area, and it's La Jolla and El Cajon. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 La Jolla and El Cajon. Thank you. <laughs> that's true. And, and that's admittedly, true. you know, living in a place that doesn't have a large Spanish popula- Hispanic population or Spanish-speaking population, that, that's, that's a little more reasonable. But I, I want to say, isn't no Perry wasn't from California, was she? Perry's from America, and that's well, about it. <laughs> I thought they, they kind of sort of said where generally she's from, but yeah. I don't think it was California. Although she does kind of play the Valley Girl type. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, her accent is all over the place, though. So Chisini, uh, I keep wanting to say Vizzini from Princess Bride, but oh, Chis- yeah, just Chis- inconceivable. Chisini- yes. <laughs> Chassini capture, manages to capture them all again and takes them back to the, the hacienda uh, where S- uh, Six has to hand over the Bryode nebulizer and they put Perry in the time travel device to ensure that it still works, which it does once because Six rigged it so it would work once. Um, uh, Shockeye takes Jamie off to, to cook him because he, his attempt to cook Perry didn't work out. Oh, and by the way, uh, two has rejected the gene transfer now, so he's back to yes. being his normal self. That's right. That's right. So, uh, and they they leave the others in the basement to get free and escape because that's what you do. You you walk away from your prisoners who you're mm-hmm. probably going to kill anyway, and give them time to escape. So, Shaw guy's tenderizing Jamie, which was uh, I just I felt so bad for Jamie getting yeah. these injections. I mean, having the what was it the the fat is being. Uh, brought to the marbleized. I'm like basically, oh, it's like a, a, a fancy version of like a tenderizing hammer, is what it was. <laughs> yeah, I felt so bad. That must be really painful. Oh, but primitive animals don't feel pain. Shock Eye says. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he says they don't feel pain the way we would. And this was a this is a classic line that people have claimed about animals uh, to make it make themselves feel better about eating them. Yeah. the The real thing is they're just animals, though. Right. Yeah. So it whether they feel pain in the same way or not is not the issue. Yeah. Exactly. 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 The, right. They're they're just animals. Uh, I'll be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have more to say about that, but I won't. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I will. There's an episode of Penn and Teller's, uh, a Penn and Teller, where they are on this trip to around the world, looking at magic in different cultures, and they go yep. to India. And they watch this performing family of Indian magicians. And in the course of the act, one of them is pretending to be a savage and he, he eats a chicken, 
live. Oh, wow. And afterwards, Penn and Teller are talking about that. And uh, Penn is explaining, you know, I mean, India is this rich culture and it has its own values and blah, blah, blah. And finally, he says, it's just a chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So uh, the doctor, so six, six and two escape and six gets wounded. And uh, uh, he's shedding, you know, dripping blood. And uh, Chasini is beginning to revert to her androgum self. She sees the shed blood, and she she dives down and licks it up to the to the horror of Dastari, who had changed her to be this godlike creature that he thought she would be. And this is something that Two has been warning about ever since. I mean, all the way through this, he's been telling Dastari. You can't change an Andragum's nature. You were just dressing dressing her up. She's going to betray you in the end. She's going to uh, go back to her Andragum ways. You're just making her more dangerous by making her more intelligent. And so now we see that starting to pay off. Right. And now Dastari, finally, in the end here, he's... The, so I should... I, I got to close out with the Santarans. The Santarans ended up uh, blowing themselves up. You know, yeah. one dies in the time... Tra- the, the rigged time travel device the other one is blown up because they were they were going to destroy their battle cruiser and take the time travel device Mm -hmm. back to their people and end up getting blown up in that explosion well i love too though this this time travel device was supposed to be designed to handle a large number of santarans but literally one (laughs) barely fits in there yes uh and then uh so destari has seen the error of his ways and has decided to help the doctor now but is killed by Chassini before he can. And then before she can t- kill two or Perry, Jamie shows up and, and uh, thro- uh, just, you know, throws his knife at her, knocks the gun out of her hand. She gets into the time travel pod and it explodes. And of course she dies. Oh, and a- after she dies, she starts to revert to her androgum self and she gets the big eyebrows and the warts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Poor, poor thing. Uh, so meanwhile, six has been running away from shock. and comes upon, Bartraby's uh, abandoned moth hunting kit and uh, finds it the convenient cyanide crystals, which Bartraby was using to to kill the moths so he can mount them. So he uses that and the net to you know leap upon Shockeye from behind and cyanide him and kill him. So the doctor directly kills somebody. Yep. Yep. As long as he doesn't shoot him with a gun. That's all. Yeah. That <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> So, uh, so you know, we we wrap things up at the hacienda where uh, two brings out his Statenheim remote control, and six says, "I've always wanted one of those." And to which I responded, "Apparently, you used to have one." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you must have lost it. And then we have uh, one last joke uh, about a going vegetarian after all this, uh, and no, no longer eating meat. Going vegetarian until he meets Mel, and she makes him drink carrot juice. Mm. <laughs> right, right. From now on, it's a healthy vegetarian diet for us, he says. But yeah. So what, what do you think of this, this episode, where the, the, this gathering of the two doctors? We've kind of said a little bit ahead of time. You know, I felt like it was a lost opportunity, like you said, Jimmy, where mm-hmm. it would have been nice if, if we'd had more interaction between the two doctors. But it was nice to see Patrick Troughton and Jamie. Yeah. I think, frankly, Patrick Troughton and Jamie stole the episode a lot more than Six and Perry did, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. You're right. I had a few little notes about it. One is during some of the inner doctor squabbling, you know, so you have two and six at odds about something and Perry just decides for them. And I thought that right. was a really nice moment. 
at the end, two, as two is getting in his TARDIS, he, he turns to six and says that the time continuum should be big enough for both of us, just, and then he pats his <laughs> stomach. And, and that is a bit of a ribbing of Colin Baker, who was struggling with weight issues at this time. Mm. He later uh-huh. gets noticeably larger, because, which can happen to people on TV shows. They have these crazy hours. They don't eat well. And they often gain weight. I mean, William Shatner struggled with that in the original Star Trek. Right. And Colin Baker was too. And Patrick Troughton and Colin Baker were friends in real life, but they would rib each other. And mm. that's part of this patting his stomach and looking at six is part of that. Uh-huh. And actually, he ribbed him a lot harder than that in, in real life, but they apparently still were friends. <laughs> also, Jamie gets the most meta true line of uh, the entire series, where at one point, this is back when they're on the space station, and Jamie turns to Perry and says, I think your doctor's worse than mine. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, yes, indeed. Exactly. Um, but uh, I, you know, it's a, it's, 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 it, it has a lot of things in it that are fun, but it also is a missed opportunity. And exactly. it's and it's too long, right? Yep. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so a couple thing, couple things I I found. Uh, Dastari was played by Lawrence Payne, who had been in Doctor Who twice before. He was hmm. Johnny Ringo in the first Doctor episode, The Gunfighters, and Morix in the fourth Doctor episode, The Leisure Hive. Leisure Hive. Leisure Hive. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Leisure, yeah, leisure. Yeah. Oh, yes. Tomato, tomato. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. And I, and I keep wanting him to break out and start singing Video Killed the Radio Star. <laughs> yeah, he does yes. look like that, though, doesn't he? <laughs> and then there's one point, I think Perry slipped in a uh, not-safe-for-work word, shall we say. Uh, the doctor, they're the TARDIS, and doctor passed around her head about, you know, you humans have brains, they're small, but you can use them, kind of, that kind of statement. Ugh. And I think she calls him a seven-letter word starting with A. Oh, oh really? I I you kind of look her, she mouths kind of a... Oh, so they may have blanked that. Okay. Well, she it mouthed it. it. She didn't say it, but it's, you know, you know, like how somebody will mm-hmm. kind of mutter behind their right. breath. That's yeah. kind of what it looked like. But it, I'm not the best at reading lips, but it really looked like that particular word. Mm. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's so funny. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm glad they didn't on a kid show didn't air that, but uh, that it is kind of funny that <laughs> that the actress <laughs> would do that. Uh, maybe a little coming out uh, reality. Awesome. So I think that that will about do it for us for this time. And uh, so I do want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including Mark L., John K., Chris, John D., and Joseph F. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And we'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edits the show every week, so that's it from us. Let us know what you think of the two doctors and uh, what you think of this episode and what we had to say about it. You can go to sqpn.com slash Doctor Who or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page or send us an email to Who at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time where we'll be discussing the next of the 10th Doctor specials called Planet of the Dead. Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. I'm glad to be here, and thank you, Dom. And Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. 
Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, there are few ways in which a Time Lord can be more innocently occupied than in catching fish. Right. This is going to be fun.